Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. All right, you guys, welcome to another episode of Building a Private Practice, Success Stories of Therapists in the Real World. And today I'm joined with Cami Stork. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Northern California. Welcome. Thank you. I'm also joined by Houdini, <laughs> uh, my cat. So if you hear purring, that's who it is. So. <laughs> Um, really for those of you guys listening or watching, the purpose of these, um, talks is for you guys to be encouraged and to hear the many different ways people go about building their practices. And, um, I've known Cami for a couple years and she's been through many twists and turns. And so I'm excited to talk about how that's been for her. So why don't you start off with why go into private practice in the first place? And when did you decide to do that? Um, so the why, for me, the why was always kind of set from graduate school. Um, my husband is a firefighter, and so his schedule is very flexible in the sense that he has a lot of time off. And I knew that I wanted to be able to have flexibility and a lot of time off with him. Mm. Um, I do like running a business um, from my previous background um, before working in mental health. So I knew that going into private practice would allow me to run a business and have flexibility and earn a really good income while doing that. So it was kind of always my goal in getting through my hours. Um, I started running um, a private practice kind of through a nonprofit back in 2007 is when I started. And then I went completely on my own into straight private practice in 2009. How did you bridge that gap? From going from the nonprofit to just um, uh-huh. private practice? That's well, like the biggest question I always get. How do I bridge it? Well, luckily the nonprofit that I worked um, through was run very similarly to a private practice. So once I was fully licensed and on my own in 2009, um, I had a supervisor that I was working through the nonprofit that was very encouraging, let me understand the business end. I knew how much our rent was. I knew how much it was costing for advertising on Psychology Today. So I kind of had, I was planning the business before I was able to run it on my own. That um, is so important. Yeah. <laughs> Do that one more time. <laughs> I was planning the business before I was able to run it on my own. So that was something that was really um, that was really key for me because once I became fully licensed and was able to set up my own place, it was within a month of being licensed that I was renting my own lease and I was buying my own furniture and moving all that. So I felt very confident and comfortable at that point of um, knowing what to do as far as the business end of things. And it's been profitable and successful ever since and, you know, continues to grow in, in the different ways that I twist and turn. <laughs> so there's, you know, my interests change throughout the years or my timing changes of, you know, where I want to spend my time. So it's been nice to run that business and not have somebody dictate that for me. So what does that look like? Like, as you're saying, as your life changes. Can you uh, give some examples of what you mean? Childbirth. Uh, so yeah. having kids, obviously. Um, so running the private practice, I've been able to decide what days I go into work and how many hours do I want to spend in my practice. And, um, you know, when my kids were really small, I would, you know, I did more teaching than I do now because I could go into 
teaching in the evenings at a university when my kids were asleep. So I could still make money in my business without having to compromise my family time, mm-hmm. which is my ultimate goal is, you know, I want to make memories yeah. with my children. I want to be able to take vacation when I want with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so that allowed me kind of the flexibility of being able to do that. Okay, cool. And what are some of the things that you did, like you planned before you launched, but what are some of the things that you've done that have helped you grow the business? Uh, I would say that there is no reason or that's acceptable to not have your business cards with you and to not talk about being a business owner. Um, my husband gives me a hard time because he says I can weave it into any conversation. <laughs> um, but as a therapist, um, especially when I, you know, work with interns and trainees myself, I always say people don't come knocking on your door and say, hey, I need therapy today. They have to know who you are. And since we are the product, you have to be promoting that all the time. So any interaction that you have with somebody, they may not become your client, but their neighbor might or their coworker might. So it's really a matter of people understanding what you do and where you are and how to find you. Um, so I say you just have to always be willing to talk with pride about what you do and realize that you are an expert in the field that you work in. Mm-hmm. So I always have my business cards with me. I'm always finding a way, um, if it's obviously appropriate to talk about like, or connecting other people with services, even if I'm not appropriate for them, I want them to know that I can still be a resource for them. So it's just something that you can kind of weave into most conversations, I would say. Yeah. And I think it's sort of, you've got a priority, it stays on top of mind. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that you're helpful in whatever place that is. And if there's a place where that does fit, it's important to share it. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think just for therapists, um, in the beginning, I, like many other people in graduate school, heard you'll never make money in this business or you're going to work 60 hours a week in this business or, you know, therapists don't do marketing. And I just call baloney (laughs) the whole thing. Um, I think that you have that thinking sometimes outside of the marketing box is what, especially in the very beginning of, of my business, made it so successful and, you know, getting, um, other clinicians that are like-minded around you to do that. There's plenty of business for everybody. So getting groups of people together to promote each other's businesses and really thinking outside the marketing box was really, really important in the beginning. How would you define success in your private practice? You know, um, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I feel like success is an ever moving bar. Um, because what I would have said is successful if you asked me in 2007 was different than 2009 and is different now in 2015. Um, for me right now, success is really just, um, honing in my time Mm -hmm. in in the sense that, you know, what I want to get my clinical hours down to, what projects outside of my clinical hours do I want to be doing? But for me, success is, has been going on truly successful since 2007 when I feel like I can wake up every day and it doesn't feel like work that I mean I don't know everybody that can say that my husband and I are very blessed we both love our careers Mm -hmm. and so I love it I wake up and I don't feel like it's work you know Mm -hmm. this is a scheduled thing on my work day and I get to talk with a friend you know via conference call and this is checkbox this is part of my work day so it's just super cool I feel like um in this field especially 
there are so many different things that you can do. If you want to write a book, if you want to teach, if you want to do just clinical hours, if you want to do conferences, you can really do whatever you're passionate about Mm -hmm. and find your niche in that. And that to me is amazing because nobody tells me when to take lunch. Nobody tells me when I can. (laughs) Um, So I get to live my life around a career that I love. And to me, I feel like that is success, but it's always raising that bar to how do I make that even more efficient and even more happy? I want to, I want to live life, I guess is what it boils down to. Amen. (laughs) So let's talk about the stuff that people are probably wondering about. When has it been hard? So I would say, when has it been hard? Um, I think that every life shift makes it a challenge. Um, because when I shifted over from, um, corporate America and working in, um, going to mental health, I felt like it was this huge tunnel. It was, okay, now I have to get through graduate school and then I have to do so many hours. And then when I do that, then I have to sit for a licensure exam. And then how am I ever going to find the clients? So I felt like it always feels like there's a challenge ahead as life events are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, so explaining that to my spouse initially, like you're going from this corporate America secure job where somebody pays your vacation and now you want to do what? Um, and then having children and then, you know, maturing in my business and really, um, you know, doing that from the perspective of, um, you know, that I can kind of hone in my dreams a little bit more. So I think it gets challenging when you are shifting any part of it, but I definitely operate from the place of abundance. So I kind of always just have this belief that it'll just work out. <laughs> and I think that it does if you put in, um, if you put in the effort and you treat your business like a business. So just like anything else, you have to put in your time with your marketing and people knowing what you're doing that's different. Um, and if you do that, I just think that it's hard for it not to be successful. It feels like it's just kind of like that formula, you know, two plus two is generally four. So if you put in your marketing, if you put your face out there to people, then it's highly likely to be successful. <laughs> um, so I think that the, the challenges just come with life shifts. Um, my personal challenge tends to come when my husband just comes home randomly and says he's leaving on a strike team for two and a half weeks. Oh that, can be, that can be a challenge because as a business owner, I'm also a mom. And, and as much as I love my business, I am a wife and a mother first. So they're always my first priority. So I have to make sure that that lines up with my business commitments. And so the scramble of that, I would say, is probably my biggest challenge, Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people um, face, especially if you're coming from like a a full-time job either with an organization or coming from corporate America and shifting over to mental health. Um, it can be scary to not know where those things are coming from, but I feel like what you do just builds that house for you. It puts, you know, brick by brick, it builds on itself. So, so if anyone's listening and watching, if you can't tell already, Kim is a very like positive person. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that there is something about that because with your positivity, my experience of you is that you've seized opportunities where other people have feared them. Correct. You know, and from that it's open doors. And so I think there is something about too, like what you're saying, there's the planning, there's the going for it, there's having confidence, but there's also this pot believing in yourself, believing in what you do and, and knowing that it's valuable, you know, right. it's so right. important. Well, I think it's just a matter of um, sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and kind of see where everything falls. Um, there's has 
you know, there's been several opportunities that have come up where it's just like, screw it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to do it. You know, um, an example of that was the, you know, the most awesome conference when we were there and Julie Hanks was doing her media, um, presentation and we were doing a, a horror submission and I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. I, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't know if it's per, I don't know if it's perfect. I don't know if it's right. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to hit send. And then of course it gets quoted in an article later. Like, <laughs> so it's just kind of one of those things where if you just, you know, you kind of, throw the deck of cards up and see how they land with the belief that however they land, you can make that work. And that's kind of how I tend to operate with my, with my business overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for someone that's starting out, what kind of advice do you have for them? Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Uh, the best advice that I have is link up with um, positive colleagues and positive coaches that have a belief that the business can be successful. Um, one of the very first mentors that I had, I think one of the best books that she ever recommended was uh, Wayne Dyer, The Power of Positive Intention, which is clearly where I operate from. Um, but really hooking up with the right people that believe in this business and look at it um, not only as a business, but also as a healing profession. Um, I think that that's key. Uh, there's a ten, I think there can tend to be kind of a lot of um, kind of naysayers or negativity. And I just don't, I, I believe in the company you keep, I guess <laughs> is the nice way to say it. It's true. What is that? Like you're as successful as the top six, seven people you hang out with, like look around right. you. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really a, a firm um, believer in that. And I always, I also know and can humble myself too, that there may be somebody that can do something better than I can. And so offering maybe a balance and a benefit to them. So I think working with people where you can recognize your own strengths and weaknesses and recognizing their strengths and weaknesses and kind of pairing those two things up so that you both are mutually beneficial to each other. Before we started recording, you and I were talking about like your website or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the point you had made was like, you're at the point where when in doubt, hire out. <laughs> yes. And I think there is this sense of like, there's a lot of bootstrapping in our uh, communities, you know, mm -hmm. like you have to do it all. I was very much a bootstrapper, did it all. Um, and um, that is probably like one of my struggles is hiring out is like trusting other people uh, mm -hmm. when I'm like, I could just do it, but I'm learning. It's taken me some time to delegate and those kinds of things. And also to acknowledge like being a business owner, you need to know the big picture, but some of the tasks you can't do it all. Right. Absolutely. You know, let the designer be an amazing designer and right. let the writer be an amazing writer and let, them help you shine, whereas maybe that's not your skill set. I completely agree, one hundred percent. And I think that part of that too comes from um, 
at least for me, was kind of that control piece. I felt like nobody was ever going to love my business as much as I was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And really understanding, again, if you, I think especially in our profession, if you link up with other professionals that are of the feeling of abundance that you are and have that positive feeling that you do, that really it is, there's, everybody has so much to give and kind of letting somebody into that and their expertise come into play is huge. So for me, in the initial part of it was control. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to be the one that if it got screwed up, I had nobody to blame but me. And I really feel like now, like you said, kind of knowing your own talents and knowing where those don't lie. Um, And for me, it was, I don't also want to spend 20 hours doing a website. Like, it's not worth it to me. I can think of 20 hours of other things I'd rather be doing right? uh, than doing that. And so finding a, you know, a really good recommendation and somebody that you can really connect with, I think is important that has a like-minded vision that you do and kind of just letting go of that, that control piece of it for me was huge. Mm-hmm. You just need to know enough to know what to ask for. Exactly. That's exactly. about it. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, when you think too about where you're, pra- okay, you were talking about the success markers. I'm just curious, what was like your first marker? Like, oh, when I hit this, that will be awesome. Um, okay, well, I'm going to be extremely transparent and okay. honest with this answer. Um, great. So my spouse and I, my husband, I said it works, um, he's a fireman. And for years, he was very much like, okay, yeah, 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 this practice thing, this business. Yeah, yeah, that, have fun with a hobby kind of thing. And um, it literally took three years of tax returns of beating out his salary <laughs> of him going, Oh, okay, I guess this is kind of legit now, right? I'm like, did you think we bullshitted it the first couple of years? Like, and the CPA and I are like in cahoots or something. Um, that to me, honestly, was a huge marker of success because it was like, hey, you know, here you have all of these stipulations of the employer that you work for, and you're rec- they tell you when to go to work, and they tell you, you know, all these things. I have all the freedom that I want. I have all of the, the income, you know, that I want with being able to set it and work it as a business owner. And for me, that was a huge kind of like aha moment. It was like, this, this is real. This is amazing. And it's, and it's sticking. Cause in the beginning it was very much like, okay, yeah, this is a good year, but well, next year, ne- next year should be pretty good too, you know, hopefully. And now it's like, no, it's just pretty consistent. But that comes back to being, I think a good business owner and knowing your numbers and really sitting down and knowing where your income is coming from and what your expenditures are. And when you can manage that, mm-hmm. then you can measure it, I think, more appropriately and not from a fear-based place. But my aha moment was like three years of beating him. <laughs> mine, was, mine was beating my salary at the county. Yeah, that didn't matter. My husband and I are very competitive. <laughs> I am married to a teacher. It's not that yeah. hard. Yeah, him and, him and I have our, our own little uh, competitions. Oh my on. gosh, you sound like Joe Sanic. He can make everything into a competition. One time we were at a, we were at Kinko's making copies, and he's like, "Let's see who can staple faster." Yeah. I'm like, "Seriously?" <laughs> he, he might have made a good fireman then too, because everything is a dice roll or a competition or something. So yes, we're, we can be a competitive couple in that way. Okay, so. Tell me now, where's the bar? What is the next vision here? 
So my next vision, oh gosh, you have to ask me this at such an interesting time. Like I feel like my, <laughs> I know, I'm career, <laughs> my career has got kind of a lot going on. Um, for me, my next bar is really having, um, I'm really getting into doing retreats and I would like to have those, you know, booked out kind of like the year in advance advance. Um, that would be my ultimate, like next kind of next goal. Um, and getting my clinical hours down, which I know sounds weird for some people, but getting them down to free me up to do those other things. So yeah. that's kind of my, my overall, um, goal is getting the client load down just a bit. Um, and I've recently hired two new employees. So kind of getting them up and launched and, you know, having them on that success train also is right. kind of where I am. So you've expand, expanded by by having employees and then mm -hmm. now you're looking at other ways of helping people that right. leverage your time and kind of make a good impact in the lives of the couples you're working with. Yes, correct. It's pretty yep. awesome. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Build of dreams, build it and they will come. That's kind of <laughs> Yeah. I think too, it's like, there's many paths, like what you're saying. There's many mm -hmm. paths to how you do your practice or how you work as a contractor independently. Right. Uh, and there's also many paths as to ways you generate income. And mm -hmm. um, it's all timing, like you're saying. Like maybe there was an opportunity that came up when you were pregnant. We were talking about that at one point in a prior conversation. And like you just – it wasn't good timing. You were about to right. give birth. Yes. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then other things come around. And I think that's the case, too, with any multiple stream of income. There is a time and a place. And for those retreats, I mean, you've been preparing for that for a couple of years of, like, thinking about when is the time and where is this going to fit in. Right. Yeah. And now having staff, I would think that that would allow you to do more of the multiple streams. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely, um, it's really that time leverage is kind of where everything I think of right now with my business is kind of that time leverage is like how am I making the most efficient use of, of my time and you know still bringing in you know the income that I want to bring in but really having fun I mean that's the big thing I've tried and done a bunch of different things and I kind of that's my gauge if I'm not if I'm not loving it if I'm not walking in and feeling like it's not work then it's not my thing yeah so. <laughs> that's a great monitor I love yeah. it so what are some ways that people want to connect with you or learn more, more about what you're doing? Where can they find you? So you can find me at soullegacytherapy.com. So, or you can find me at camistork-mft.com. Either one will direct you to uh, my website and kind of let you know a little bit about what's going on and the new employees and all that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, thanks for spending some time with me and Cammie today. And I would love for you guys to post below what you learned um, just from hearing Cammie's story. I hope you're encouraged because um, Cammie's like built an amazing practice and it's not without hard work and dedication, but there is huge um, advantages to her positivity and her efforts and just trying things and seeing what fits and knowing that something will and having trust that there is a path that's perfect for her. So thank you so much, Cami. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care, Kelly. All right. Bye. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. 
head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.